As I mentioned this morning, uh, Dan and Don Hall are here with us this morning, and uh, uh, Dan's going to be uh, preaching God's Word to us. And so I'm going to invite all of us to uh, go ahead and just put your hand up, uh, and we are going to pray for Dan uh, as he uh, prepares his heart and mind uh, to, to share God's Word with us this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for a- an opportunity to listen and to learn, to grow, and to consider, God, uh, what you are up to in another part of the world. Lord, you are uh, everywhere at all times in all places. And God, you are most certainly uh, in Albania. And God, we celebrate and praise you uh, for your faithfulness, for your goodness uh, to the the people of Albania, and through uh, the witness and ministry of Dan and Don Hall. So as Dan preaches your word this morning, uh, God bless him and watch over him. Use him, God, to, to encourage us, to strengthen us, to convict us, and to challenge us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, it's really great to be here for a lot of reasons. Uh, we have family to visit and, and nice warm, warm mornings to enjoy and uh, humidity to experience. The uh, climate in Albania is a lot drier, so this is a, a reminder of the, the good old Midwest. Also, it's, it's great to be here because I've been uh, con- conversing off and on with Brian about your church and what God is doing here in and through you, and following some of your sermons, especially if I see one that addresses issues that, that we get excited about, like God's kingdom, and there have been a few actually recently that I saw. So those are, those are fun to watch. Also, uh, the, the process you are all going through uh, to read through the scripture is, is, a, is a great undertaking. I know it's sometimes difficult, but it will, it, it, you'll gain the rewards from that for sure as God blesses you with his word. Um, and uh, what I'd like to share today, it's, it's interesting when we first talked, I thought of God's kingdom being a, a, a heart theme for me. And I thought, well, I'll share some about that. And I saw, oh, you've already done that a couple times. So I looked at what I was thinking of covering, and it's, it's not too much overlap. So um, we will, we'll, we'll dig in in a slightly different uh, way maybe today. Um, I like to call it uh, God's kingdom here, there, and everywhere, because that's what it is. It seems that uh, for a lot of believers, especially in uh, more prosperous countries, there can be this sense that we've, we have our ticket to heaven, right? We're, we're living good lives. Things are going well. We're doing what we're supposed to do. So sometimes we might ask this question, what's really left now for us to do? Except, uh, you know, just continue on, wait until we die or Jesus comes back and, and that's good enough, right? I mean... If we got our ticket, the main thing is just don't blow it, right? We don't want to lose our ticket at the last minute. But is that really a, would you call that an accurate description of the call of God on his church today? Um, I don't think so. Is there more or just something else completely different? So if someone were to ask you, how would you describe the life that God has called you to live right here, right now? How would you answer that question? Well, I'd like to share with you a bit of the, the biblical teaching that has been a big part of our work over the last uh, 10 months, or actually it's been a year actually in September, it'll be a year, that we've focused a lot on uh, with our outreach team. What is the church? What does the church do as we're seeking to live the lives that God's called us to live? 
and be his people here on earth. So um, let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word, the power of your word in our lives that, that is new every, every time we read it. We learn new things. And everything I'm going to cover today, I know that many of us have read over and over. But Lord, we pray that you would open our eyes, open our ears, soften our hearts to the words you want to hear today that will uh, motivate, inspire, and uh, give us that uh, ability to continue on as your children living the way you want us to live and growing your kingdom in this place. Amen. I'd like to start where Jesus started, uh, his first words in the book of Mark, um, chapter 1, verse 15. You, I'll just read it. It's short. Uh, and it's just part of it. It says, the first words Jesus says is, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe the gospel. So he's saying, okay, it's here. The kingdom of God, it's here, it's now. God is on the move. Now, I don't know if any of you have read the Chronicles of Narnia. I can't, I've, I've probably second to the Bible. It's what I've read the most to our kids over the years. And when Aslan, the Christ figure, he's the lion in the story, when he comes to Narnia and he's wandering around, the rumor gets out that he's here. And what people say is Aslan is on the move. And that's, that's what I liken this to when I hear Jesus say this, is something big is about to happen. God is on the move. Again, in uh, Matthew 28, 18 to 20, uh, Jesus is, is speaking his last words uh, to his disciples, and this is part of what he says. Matthew 28, 18 to 20. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. So God's kingdom, therefore God's authority, includes everything and everywhere. Which, as I read that and, and as you're reading through the Bible, you may have noticed this too. It sounds a lot like something from the very, very beginning in Genesis. Genesis 1.28, where God again is speaking and he's blessing Adam and Eve. And he says to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Now, Jesus' command to his disciples and to us is a reaffirmation of our purpose from the beginning, from creation. At the beginning, God was saying, go, go and live, live like I made you to live. And more than just you live like I made you to live, but pass that life on to other people as well and grow my kingdom. So the go part of the command in the New Testament, it's reestablishing this mission that God has put us on to live the way God wants us to live. And this is a mission all Christians are on. It's our calling. It's to spread the life we know. And the go can be to a, a distant land, some random place far, far away like Albania. Or it can be to another culture, maybe a different part of your own country that has people that are different. Could be to another city, Decatur, something like that, right? Could be to your own neighborhood. It could be go down the hall to the third bedroom on the left and see one of your family members and pass that life 
onto them. But the call is to go. And the call is to make disciples. And making disciples isn't just passing on information or learning a lesson, but it's a complete transformation of life. It involves forming us into completely new creatures. It involves baptism. It involves obeying everything that God commanded us to do. Another portion of Jesus' uh, final words to his disciples is in Acts 1.8 where he says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and again, to the ends of the earth. I think it includes Albania. One, one great thing I like about this particular part of it, it's also at the very end of the Matthew portion, is his presence, his, his Holy Spirit makes this all possible. He isn't just giving us a little league practice and putting us out in the field and saying, no, go play the game. He's giving us very clear instructions and sending us, yes, but partnering with us or, or in filling us to empower us. So we have his presence. We have his power to be his witnesses everywhere. Now, as you're reading through the, the uh, Bible from beginning to end, you may have noticed that God is, is, it's pretty normal for God to give us commands. Don't you see, you see this, right? And he's saying, do this, live like this, and a lot of don't do that, right? And here Jesus is commanding the, the disciples to go do something. And I think it's a fair question to ask, did they obey? Did they do it? Now, if you've been reading through the Bible, you might be scratching your head thinking, that's a really good question. I wonder, I looked at the children of Israel and all the, the Adam and Eve, Noah. Well, Noah, he did okay, right? Abraham, sometimes yes, sometimes no. The children of Israel through the kings and the prophets and all of that, not so good at all. I'm a little skeptical if they're actually going to pull this off. So let's see if they did. This is our main text today, Acts 2, 36 to 47. Now, if you're familiar with this chapter, you know that the Holy Spirit has just come upon the disciples exactly as Jesus had promised. So, okay, we, that's a step in the right direction. It's a big step in the right direction. And so what happens? They speak in other languages, which is kind of crazy. And then Peter, the, the mouth of the disciples, right? You've seen this before. He stands up and preaches a great sermon. He goes through the whole gospel message. And verse 36 then, where we'll start here, is actually the last verse of this amazing sermon where Peter is just nailing them with the gospel. It's a new, it's a new message. And he says, starting in 36, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And he sits down from his sermon, right? Has, has my, um, uh, Brian ever ended a sermon like that before? And so what did they do in verse 37? Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words he bore witness 
and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and they were at, there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And then it goes on. talks about the fellowship of the believers living as the church. What did they do? Verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So can we answer this question? Did they obey? They baptized, right? They lived in community, making disciples, who then went on to make more disciples. So it looks like they obeyed. And the, the results were phenomenal through the work and the power of the Holy Spirit. So in these verses, we see a lot. And I'm, this is not going to be a systematic teaching on, on how to do anything or how to live exactly. But what I'd like to do is give you just some bullet points of the, of the concepts of the principles from God's Word that we've been learning and implementing over the last year. And, uh, and then Dawn will come up and share some of the specifics about how we've done that in our setting. So we see that in the context, uh, in this, the context that church can be different in different places and different communities. I mean, we can do all these things they're talking about, but New York is not like Bloomington. Bloomington's not like Forest, right? I know where Forest is. In Los Angeles, it's not like Rolla, Missouri, where we lived. And even just America is not like Albania. And even in Albania, where we live, the small city of Peshkupi, where we live, is not like the villages that are just a few minutes away. But within their context, the church is, and what the church is and what the church does, the practices of the church, are really fundamentally the same. And how we live, but how we live it out can look different from place to place. So that in these verses we see, we can come up with a simple definition of the church. You can do it different ways, but this is how we summed it up in our teaching with our team, is the church is simply God's people gathered together on God's mission under God's leadership. So God's people gathered together on God's mission under God's leadership. And all the activities that the church does, we see listed in these verses. And they can be categorized different ways, but this is, this is the way we've organized them for our work, is worship, fellowship, God's word, ministry, and evangelism. So we worship the living God. This is why we're put on this earth, right? We fellowship. We, we develop relationships with people. Notice in these verses, two times it talked about breaking bread. Now there's communion, that may be what they're referring to in one, and there's potlucks, that might be what they're referring to in the other. But this is, this is part of it, it's a big part of it. It's not just something we do because we're not busy on a Sunday afternoon or something, but it's developing those relationships. And God's Word, God's Word, again, it's not just lessons, it's learning to be transformed by the power of God through His Word. And not just learning it, but obeying it, doing, as one pastor used to say, do the book. 
do what we, he's commanding us to do. And ministry is the seeing the needs among us in our in our congregation, in our neighborhoods, and ministering to each other, so that we're um, without going needy. And then finally, evangelism is growing the church by reaching out and spreading all of this this life to other people. And every church, no matter where they are, does these things. And they, we all need to strive to do them in a way that makes sense, whatever context we're in. And if a church is doing these things and doing them well, we would say it's a healthy, growing church. And that's our goal in our ministry, to plant and grow healthy churches. Now, they, they can look very different, even as they're practicing these same things. Many American churches have um, paid staff. They might have a large budget. They might have multiple buildings on an extended uh, extensive campus. Other places in the world, they have no paid staff, no buildings, no budget, no problem, because that's not what determines what the church is, because they're practicing the basic things of the church. They can still be healthy and growing. And how these are practiced depends, again, on the context. And so that's very important to determine, to understand the context where you live. It looks different in different places. And in an area like we are in in Albania, where it's economically very poor, there are additional things that we set as goals to uh, become healthy as far as churches. One is self-supporting. We don't want to be constantly dependent on outside money and help to run it to be a church. Self-leading, that they will learn, we will help to raise up leaders, indigenous leaders, so they can lead themselves. And self-propagating, not always needing foreign missionaries to grow the new churches, but as a lifestyle, as part of our DNA as a church is growing in our area. And so again, these are, these are I'm going to just keep giving you little uh, principles or groups of principles that we've been following. Three important aspects we've discovered in determining context or discovering context is open doors, barriers, and strategies. As we seek to develop relationships with people, that we are constantly looking for what are the open doors? Who are the open people? What do they do that we can do with them? What needs do they have where we can partner with them? Often we think of needs is where we are the heroes flying, surveying the, the people down there, and we swoop down with our resources and come along and save people, right? And often Americans struggle with that kind of superior mentality where we're all hurting. We're all needing to grow and be healed in our relationships. So when we see where other people struggle, it's not so much us coming in to save them, but coming alongside them and walking with them and partnering with them. And so that's part of what we look for in open doors. What are their values that we share? No matter where we are, we find people who are similar to us in some ways. What resources do they have that they can use to help develop their own situation. And it won't take long before we discover barriers, things that stand in the way, that make it difficult, those hurdles we have to get over. And we have to decide, is this something we have to solve now or something we maybe can deal with later or just leave it for now? Um, but no matter what we decide to do with barriers, the only way to deal with them is through building trust with people. And that comes through healthy relationships, which takes time. It takes being with the people and knowing them. And then the third one, strategies. How do we 
use strategies? How do we determine what they are? Well, we look at the open doors, we look at the barriers, and we say, what can we do that take those things into consideration that will be effective in this place? And we have to grow relationships in order to do this because that will build the trust that we need. And then during, from the context of trusting relationships, the good news comes into the equation um, much more naturally. And that's where we get to do the fun stuff. And so our strategies are based on these uh, scriptural principles that we've been talking about. Genesis, in Genesis 1.28, back at the beginning there, God is laying the foundation. He talks about the, to go and, and fill the earth and subdue it. And he's talking about his relationship with us. He's talking about ourselves. We're made in God's image. He's talking about our relationships with one another and our relationship with creation. All of these four relationships are part of who we are as God's called people made in his image. But the problem is sin. And you all know as well as we do, as well as I do, that, that our relationship with God is, is, is difficult because of sin. Our, even our understandings of ourselves, that relationship is, is tainted because of sin. Our relationships with each other are struggling because of sin. And, and look what we're doing to our Creation, are we taking good care of it? I mean, this is a beautiful city, actually. You guys do a good job here. But not we, we see it all over our world, right, where there's things, even probably find it not far from here, that there are ways we don't always take good care of God's creation. And so our work of making disciples is, is in all of these things. It's working on restoring relationships. And since we're broken as well, it's not too hard to identify with other people and for them to understand that we're in the same boat they are as we walk together. I really like this uh, verse in Luke uh, 2.52. It talks about Jesus as a young man. It says that he grew in four ways, wisdom, stature, in favor with God, and in favor with man. He was a well-rounded guy. He was, his life was, was complete in these different categories of human life, the mental, the physical, the spiritual, and the social. And so those are categories of life as we seek to meet people's needs and serve people. These are the categories of life that we work in with people because that's where, that's where they live. So the church worldwide is on this mission, and we're here to grow God's kingdom everywhere, to make disciples who make disciples, as we heard again this morning. And while our methods and our, may vary a lot, our principles don't. And what we went through is the kinds of things we've been following to seek to obey God's mission, to obey Jesus' great commission, where we are in Albania. But this, is, of course, is the call for all of us in the world. And I wrote a list of questions. These are kind of self-assessment questions, maybe, that we can all be asking ourselves as we say, are we living as God really wanted us to live as the church? And how how can we do that? So just, you can, these are, you don't have to raise your hand and answer them, but just be thinking. How do we see ourselves as a church? Do we identify primarily as a building, a worship service, a group of people, a weekly activity? In what ways do we worship? How do we fellowship? In what ways are we obeying God's word? In what ways do we minister to each other to see that all of our needs are met? How are we reaching out to our community with the gospel in word and action. Are we doing these things well? Would we call ourselves a healthy church? And as we're planting churches, and I know you are, you're working on that, and that's uh, part of the, the basic work of the church forever until Jesus comes back. Are we planting churches that are healthy? Are they going to be growing 
and growing new churches as well? Are they going to be self-supporting, self-leading, and self-propagating? As we consider our immediate community and the ways that we can be Jesus' witnesses here, what are the open doors in this community where we can begin and grow relationships with people? What are the barriers that exist here that make this challenging? What are the strategies that we can use that take these into consideration and help us in our effectiveness in growing God's kingdom here? We all have a lot to learn, of course. That's part of the human journey. And as we struggle to obey God's word and, to, to, and his call to be disciples and make disciples, and we thank God for his grace and his forgiveness because as we fail along the way, he's there with us to forgive us, but also to partner with us and, and empower us as we're actually joining him in his work. And remember, the, as, as when Peter preached that sermon, it convicted them. They didn't run away and yell or say, forget you. They were convicted. And it, that's the job of the Holy Spirit, but also to comfort us and to empower us to be his instruments, his ambassadors in his kingdom. So, uh, Don, why don't you come on up here and join me? And we'd like to share some more specifics about how we're doing these things in Albania, and which is, it's a challenge, it's a big challenge, and uh, we're learning as we go, and hopefully improving as we go, by God's grace. We started a year ago with a team of four Albanians, and Don and me, and we spent the first few months uh, in a, a lot of time in prayer. Every morning we prayed. Sometimes when you care about something, you, you pray more for it. And we spent time, sometimes an hour or more in prayer, just seeking God's um, wisdom in what we were doing and uh, asking for us to do better in these areas, to learn how we can, how we can uh, do these things in this amazing context. And we studied and we trained, we practiced, we strategized and uh, we sought to do things as well as we could. And w before Don starts, I want to share one final verse with you. Is Habakkuk 1.5. We discovered this verse at the very beginning. God's is saying to the prophet, he says, I'm going to do something uh, w in your land that if somebody told you, you wouldn't believe it. And I just challenge you today to, to think that in Bloomington, Illinois. If, if someone, if you left for a while and someone called you on the phone and said, hey, you won't believe what's going on in Bloomington, what would it be? I mean, you don't have to answer, but think in your mind, according to God's kingdom, what would you not believe? Pray for that. That's what we started to do. So we started by determining or uh, clarifying our vision, and the vision that our outreach team has is to plant healthy, growing churches in every village and city of Deber, Albania, and beyond. Deber is the name of our region, the region that we live in in Albania, and it's an unreached people group. Until a church was planted 25 years ago, there were no Christians or church in this region for more than 500 years. I was thinking about that, you know, longer than our country has even existed. We and all of our outreach team live in the central city of Peshkopi, which has about 15,000 people. And there's 144 villages in the region. So what we've done is focused our primary village ministry on on the village of Kastriot. It's in a valley about five miles from Peshkopi. Uh, we started there because we have many existing contacts there. We know people there already. 
And so then that led us to finding some open doors. Uh, the open doors, some of the open doors that we identified is that the people there seem to be hardworking and they have ideas of ways to earn money and to improve their lives, but they need help getting started. They don't have any capital is really what it comes down to and they don't, they need encouragement. Families are interested in opportunities for their children, both in education and just simply in things to do. I mean, we really take for granted all the opportunities we have of things to do. There is nothing to do in the, this village, or even in Peshkopi. Um, openness to outsiders investing time and providing opportunity. They were open to, for example, for us coming there and, and working with them. So those were open doors that existed there. But we know there are barriers. People, Albanians are very suspicious of the unknown, and particularly villages, people coming in who aren't, haven't lived in the village forever, are suspicious. People identify as Muslims, and so if you're not a Muslim, they're like, why are you here? You know, we're Muslims, what are you doing here? And Christians, Albanian Christians have been afraid to go into villages. That, honestly, most of the, uh, the concern that we have had about going into the villages has come from Christians, um, telling us, oh, they're going to fight you, or all these different things. And so that's a, a barrier. And the, another barrier that we identified is that money can quickly become a distraction for people who have so little. When they find out that we're, we have money, because we're rich, of course, because we're Americans, obviously, um, they assume that we will give them money anytime they ask for it. And that becomes a distraction if that's what becomes the focus. And so the strategies that we've employed in working there is just by addressing those barriers and suspicions and just developing relationships of trust with people, just spending time with them, letting them get to know us, saying no to them sometimes when they ask us for money, but not leaving, you know what I mean? But we're still there. Um, and we've learned to address needs holistically, looking at physical, spiritual, mental, social, developing people to help them find solutions within their own community, not just always looking to the outsiders to solve a problem, because oftentimes those solutions are, are short-term, they're not long-term. Um, so one of the things that we did in the last six months is we did a building project, um, and it met multiple needs. There was a very physical need of a family who needed a home. They were going to have to be out of their home by the beginning of June, they owned a building that they had started building, but they were out of money and basically didn't know what they were gonna do come June 1st. We needed a place to call an outreach center. And so we partnered with the owner and local workers, including some of his family members, to finish this building. And um, it, we didn't build a church. We wanna make that really clear. And we have to actually keep reminding our team that. We did not build a church. Eventually, we hope a church will be able to worship in that building, but that's not what we built. We didn't build a church. Um, but we, we, we did this project that helped us to work together and meet the needs. It met a lot of different needs. So this building that we built uh, opened in June. The first activity that we got to have in it was an English camp. Uh, uh, that was uh, held by the group sun called Sun Network that we work with. 
they brought a team of four uh, Americans to be teachers and lead music, and we had 30-plus students who came and experienced something they have never experienced before, something kind of like a vacation Bible school, which Americans are familiar with, you know, games. We didn't do crafts, but we had music, uh, a, bi a Bible lesson, and we called it an English camp just to, to forestall the concern that we were pushing Christianity but we use Bible stories to teach English, and so we're able to share God's love in that way. When we return, actually we're going back to Albania tomorrow. We have a flight uh, tomorrow to go back. Um, what We're going to be figuring out, okay, what's next? The strategy is to use this outreach center as a safe place for kids and, and adults to be. Um, and I was thinking about this as Dan was talking doing activities that meet multiple needs. Uh, women have a huge need for social activity. Women are workhorses. They are working constantly. And they, they crave social time. They also would love to learn English and just be together. And so we'll probably be doing English courses for women. And, and you know, we might end up talking about the meaning of life and about the Bible in that. Um, so it's not just like, this is English, we're only going to talk about English, or this is social, we're only going to do social. We're, we're going to do things that we're going to give us opportunities to, to do many things together. We will teach English courses, English and other things that, uh, to help them improve, the kids improve their themselves academically. We'll probably end up doing some tutoring. We hope eventually there will be a group of believers that will want to worship together there, and one of the reasons we're doing this is that the nearest church is five miles away, and for us, that's not a big deal, but for them, that's a really big distance, and it's a huge commitment of time, and so for them to be able to actually worship where they live would be huge, um, and then do some things like having sports, uh, sports clubs or things like that. Again, just opportunities to give them things to do, but also to um, be broader than that. So ultimately, the goal of all these things we're, we're doing is to have a healthy, growing church, remembering that the church is not a building. Our goal is not to build a church building in this village. It's to grow, it's to grow a group of people that knows and loves Jesus and wants to grow and share him with others. Now, just to give you a contrast, because one of the things that Dan talked about is that context, you have to think about what's unique about the different places you're looking. Another village that we're spending some time in is called Herbel. It's about 10 miles in the other direction. It's very different than Castrio, whereas Castrio is pretty spread out. Herbel is a compact community. It's built on a mountainside, and it has an old church building that actually exists in it. It's, it was built in the 1200s. It's really old. Um, it was founded by Bulgarian Orthodox Christians, and some of their descendants still live in this village. So the open door in this village is the Orthodox families. There are two Orthodox families living there. So because they're Orthodox, they accept the Bible as God's word, whereas Muslims don't. One of the members of our team, Ayla, we found out, is related to one of these families. So that gives us a, a family connection. That's huge. Because she can call this and say, you know, we want to come visit because we're family. That's what you do in Albania. So that was a big open door. 
The barriers are that there's persecution of non-Muslims. There's only two families left because over the years, families have left because the Muslims, the other people in Sunset Town have said, why are you here? And so most of them have left and moved other places. Um, so they're not super excited about people who aren't Muslims being there. And the two families who are are both older couples. They're both they're older than they're we 16. are. Yeah. And they're not very well accepted in the community. So those are barriers. It's not like we're coming in and, you know, meeting with the mayor and everyone's excited for us to be there. Um, so our strategies and what we're doing in Herbel is very different. We're just focusing on encouraging these people. Uh, we gave them a Bible. They didn't have a Bible, even though they were Christian. Praying with them, building relationships with them, um, and taking advantage of the things like Advent, Christmas, Easter, traditions that we have in common, and celebrating them with them to show that we care about them. We don't know where that's going to lead. Um, it's probably not something that immediately we're going to have a group of believers in that in that uh, village, but the goal is the same: a healthy, growing church. Um, and like I said, it might it seems much less likely there, but we might be surprised with what God does. Of course, yeah, it'd be one of those things that when we get back, they say you won't believe it. That's what we we're praying for. So I hope in all of this you see, because we're learning this, I mean, we're in our 50s and we're still learning this, that this disciple thing is a lifestyle. It's not a Sunday morning service where you listen to someone talk for a while and then go off to do what you really want to do. It's, it's everything. It takes time. It's far beyond just this hour. It's far beyond, you know, what we even do at home to grow in our faith. And it takes a lot of uh, prayer. It takes study. It takes Spending time with like-minded people, putting your heads together, saying, how can we be used by God in this place? It's an approach to vocation that's very transformative. It puts us into a world where we work and where we play, where we do whatever we do for the purpose of making disciples with anyone God shows us. And you, we are often surprised who those people are. And we know now from doing this that he is already at work. He's out there right now at work in people you know that you may not be aware. And so part of our prayer is show us who these people are. We want God to open their eyes and open their ears and soften their hearts. But we're, we've learned to pray, open my eyes, open my ears, soften my heart to those people you have already identified and are working in out there. So we're just joining him. We, we have the easy job. He has the hard job. And we're doing it all for God's glory. That's important too. That's part of our worship as a lifestyle. And so as we gather together with other Christians and live, in, live this life, let's practice these things. Let's worship God. Let's have fun together and develop good relationships. Let's meet each other's needs as we interact with each other. Um, let's study his word and learn what it means to really do the book and obey him. And ultimately, let's get out there and spread this life. And uh, I've heard that you're committed to doing that here. And it means a lot to me when I hear the things Brian says, but I know I know a few members here besides, and they say the same things, and it's, it's really amazing. And so I pray that God would bless you and your ministry here as you seek to serve him in all these ways and in all things. Lord, we thank you again for the church that you have given us to be part of. We thank you that uh, you have called us and have given us not just time to pass, but a mission to accomplish. 
we thank you that you've given us everything we need to know and you've given us the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit so that we can actually obey you and accomplish this mission that you've set us on. So give us that grace we need to get through our, our sin and our challenges that we face as we struggle to, to do this well. And uh, we just rest in you, Lord, and the power that you've given us. We thank you that you are with us in all things and that we would see things happen that we wouldn't believe. In Jesus' name, amen.